There's only one way that I know how to wake up and win, people, and it's with a delicious cup of Dovetail Coffee. Before I get ready to record the podcast or get out of bed ready to start the day right, I need a cup. Now, I just recently became a coffee drinker, and usually I need to add all the creams and sugar, but with Dovetail, I drink straight black coffee. Yes, I said it. I drink straight black coffee. It's that good. And because you're a listener, they're offering you free shipping on all of their products. Just use my special code, Wake Up. No spaces, no capitals, to get Dovetail Coffee delivered right to your door. Again, that's dovetailcoffee.com, and make sure you use my code, wake up. Dovetail, deliciously different coffee. Wake up, world. You're now tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I'm your host, Devon Pouncey. I'm here with my man, Alex Moore. He's back. What up, Alex? What's up, Pounce? Good to talk to you, man. Oh, yeah. I'm happy you're back here. So <laughs> some of you may remember we had Alex on here before, uh, some episodes back, but we yeah, had him here yeah. before. Um, he was the producer of the radio show that I once had. <laughs> so before we dig into a bunch of content, I'm used to always, you know, I've been a media personality, and I talk about and I tell everybody else's story. Uh, you know, we discuss many different topics, many different things, and we enjoy doing so. But I can't come on here and discuss everybody else's story without digging in a little bit to my own story. You, you deserve know? it. Yeah, a lot of people come in. <laughs> no, seriously, a lot of people come on here to listen to what it is that I have to say. And usually yeah. I'm talking about other people. I'm talking about what's going on in the world of sports, politics, culture, whatever, whatever. But sometimes you got to give the listener some in-depth analysis. In some cases, some in-depth analysis into what it is that you have going on personally. So, like I said, usually I come in and on the intro and I say, you know, where I'm at and where I'm recording. And I always made sure to give mention and cross-promote the Justin and Devon sports radio show. Yeah. Uh, Well, got to break the news to you all. And I feel like this is the best platform for me to do so that the Justin and Devon radio show is no longer in existence. <sighs> yeah, that's how I felt as well. But, but you know, and I'm not going to get into, you know, all the aspects, the business aspects, and just, you know, the whole kind of ending of that entire show. But I really want to talk about what it is that I learned uh, during that time period of being able to do the show with Justin Myers. Justin Myers is a guy who I built a great friendship with uh, we came into the show not knowing each other. We came yeah. into the oh. show not knowing what to expect from the show. Yeah. And we were both put in a position to where it was him and I. You know, he had to come on and kind of drive it, and I had to ride along with him. And, you know, we ended up having a very fun and a very entertaining show. Uh, you were the producer yeah, of that show. Man. So much fun. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've never heard a show where, like, you know, everyone a part of it was having just such a great time, and we just – honestly loved doing work every day it was, yeah it was really really special for yeah. sure for sure so you know like i said you came in you produced it worked very hard at producing the show and Hell yeah we had a show that we felt good about oh yeah. and i don't think we're the only people out there that felt good about it and definitely not. yeah and i know <laughs> that based on you know the many many responses and reactions that we were that we received you know mostly through social media um, when this show came to an end. And first off, I want to thank every single person who supported and listened to the Justin and Devon radio show. Like I said, we put everything into that show. We enjoyed coming in to work and 
talking sports for you in particular Oregon sports because yeah. you know that's the market we were in like I said we enjoyed doing it uh I've come to learn how much it affected so many people out yeah. there that I didn't really know while I was popping up and waking up to do a radio show every morning. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, it was definitely a legit learning experience for me. Like I said, for one, first thing I'd say I learned was my voice was bigger than what my position was as a radio host. And I learned that through responses of so many different people. I mean, you get responses from people who work at garbage companies and just black, white, brown, men, women. Like, we got so many. The responses yeah. were so diverse that... You know, it taught me that got to keep pushing forward, got to continue to use my voice, you know, to speak out to and for people and yeah. to allow people to speak back to me as well, because I'm always open to listening to what people have have to say and learning from other people as well. I think that's what this is all about. So to be able to learn how much of a voice I really did have or really do have, I should say, and to be able to learn how many people appreciate what we were able to do. I recall back to a point in time where you and I and Justin, obviously, and Bobby, when we got a phone call from a lady who had stage four cancer. And, you know, she called in and she pretty much let us know that that radio show brought some light to her day even while dealing with the deadly illness you know the radio show brought so much light to her day as i mentioned you had garbage people you had older people younger people black white brown (laughs) women men it was so many different people that came out in support of our show and that really showed their appreciation for the show that i could never not crack a microphone for the rest of my life <laughs> I feel like man. I feel like I'm obligated to yeah. speak behind a microphone now at all yeah. times so uh obviously here on the wake up and win podcast we'll continue going forward with this uh I also learned how to be a professional you know uh when I first inherited the radio show um I got a phone call literally a week after I walked the stage graduating college And, you know, most people graduate college and they kind of take a gap year and they want to figure out what it is that they may want to do with themselves and don't really know what their setup or their situation is going to be because you spent four or however many years in college that you did. And, uh, you know, you kind of been wrapped up in that the entire time that making that transition usually takes a little bit of time. Yeah. For me, it didn't take much time at all. It literally took a week. (laughs) <laughs> for That's, me to get a you had phone a gap call. week uh, exactly <laughs> so most people get a gap year and i got a gap week so it literally took a week for me to receive a phone call uh, and pretty much be offered the opportunity to do that radio show so with that week i legit had to go from you know just being your regular college guy college athlete and partying having fun <laughs> playing ball to having to be a professional with a public platform. Monday through Friday. Monday through Friday. I had to wake up early every morning, come in, prepare to do a radio show, obviously do a radio show and learn how to carry and present myself in a way that wasn't disappointing, especially to so many people who chose to listen to the radio show or even those who may have looked for a reason to critique the radio show in whatever type of a way it was just very interesting learning how to become such a professional in such a short and quick amount of time so going forward no bitter feelings i'm grateful for the opportunity that i had you know and i'm gonna continue you know pressing forward in my career 
uh, in sports radio because I loved it and I enjoyed it. And I know, you know, the, you yeah. can say the same for yourself. Oh, absolutely. And and Pounce, it's it's, it's even different for people, you know, in, in, in this profession because, you know, some people maybe get to be a professional right away out of college too even, but they're not recorded every day. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like you went on the mic for three hours every day, you were recorded. Anything that you said, someone could listen to it over and over and over again. And yeah. that puts a lot of pressure on someone, especially someone who's young. And you walked right into the job with no fear. It was awesome to watch, you know, your growth from when I started producing the show to, you know, when the show eventually ended. I mean, you you were growing the whole time. So, like, that's a, that's a whole different kind of pressure that you had yeah. and that you learned from, too. So that was awesome, too. But for me, like... Producing that show and being a part of it, that's just always going to be a highlight of my life, I yeah, feel like. Yeah, for you know? sure, man. And like I said, I appreciate all the work you put in for the show. Now get ready to start producing the Wake Up and Win podcast. <laughs> more work. Always is, more work. This is what we got, man. This <laughs> yeah. is what we have for you. And yeah. like I said, we're getting ready to dig into the content pretty soon, but I just felt obligated to kind of speak out about it. And like I said, I'm I'm not bitter towards the company that I used to work for. I'm actually a lot more grateful because I learned a lot more than I could have ever imagined in yeah, such a short yeah, time span, definitely. in such a short time period. I learned so much more than I ever could have imagined. And, you know, they gave me the platform and the opportunity to speak publicly, which has always been a dream of mine. You For know, sure. I went to school, majored in general media. I mean, I went from having a radio show on campus where hardly anybody listened to, you know, by the end of this show, I come to find out thousands of people were out there listening to my voice day in and day out. And that became a part of their daily routine was to listen to what it was I and you and Justin and Bobby, what we had to say. Yeah. And so to come from kind of humble beginnings of just going to school and getting a degree and having a radio show on campus where, like I said, it wasn't even really super active. Like I kind of got in the box of radio while I was at Pacific and just charged it. Like it was nothing but space and opportunity there, but not many people were taking advantage. And to see and hear the influence that I've been able to have at students, even at Pacific University, you know, that were able to see me, you know, graduate from a school like that, really good school, by the way, and jump straight into having a professional yeah. career for them to be able to see that. And for young kids who all love, we all love and talk about sports in our leisure time anyway. And even for older people to be able to see and hear my perspective as a millennial, yeah. <laughs> you know, working in, working in kind of a profession where it's not too many millennials that have that kind of a voice oh, not on that kind of a platform. So it was just so much that I learned, man, and I'm so grateful for the opportunity. And you better believe things are just getting started when it comes to my career, you know, in sports radio yeah. and broadcasting in general. So I have a question for you, Pounds. Go ahead. Uh, you know, the, the days after following what happened, there's a bunch of tweets that are coming out. And I know you kind of already touched on this already, but yeah. man, I had to turn off my Twitter notifications. For sure. Just popping in. And it, I mean, it was all for you guys. And there was it was so much love and it was awesome. Like, how did, how did that feel to know that like all these people not only loved listening to the show, but loved it enough to the point where they would tweet out and let people know that they loved the show? Yeah, well, for me, it was interesting because... You know, when you first get the word that, you know, the company is going to decide to go in a different direction yeah. from you, um, 
that can be devastating in some cases. Course, you know, a yeah. lot of thoughts instantly come to your head, mm-hmm. like, what did I do wrong? Yeah. What could I have done better? Is this really for me? You know, mm-hmm. am I really good at this thing? Am I good enough, you know, speaking publicly? Am I a good public speaker? I so mean, like, I've worked a long time for yeah. this, and it's all over the place. You know, you have so many articles and so many people kind of following you. This was my first time being able to get that type of a response and reaction. So initially, it definitely wasn't a good feeling, you know, yeah. because it wasn't by choice that the radio show no longer exists. Like I said, we all loved working with each other, and so many different negative questions pop up in your head about yourself when it comes to, Self-doubt, you know, kind of. How good was I at this? You yeah, know, I yeah. thought I was doing well. I felt like I was doing well, but was I really doing well? Yeah. Did people really like and enjoy the show? And so, you know, I remember going home and calling and talking with my family. And I remember having a conversation with my brother in particular. And I told him, like, I kind of expected a reaction for sure because it was kind of an on-the-spot move. So I respect, I expected a reaction, but I did let my brother know. I'm like, I'm interested to see what type of a reaction I'll get, will get. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it, was, it wasn't just me. Obviously, my name was on the show, but it definitely wasn't just me. We worked together as a team mm-hmm. to create what it was that we were able to create. And I told him, like, I just wonder how people feel about this, what people think about this. And I'll be honest with you, being a younger millennial, being who I am, I do look at social media to see oh, kind of yeah. how the, what the public opinion is. I read every when it tweet. comes to when it comes. Yeah, <laughs> I did, too. You know what I mean? And and I'm not even just talking about when it comes to myself and my yeah. own personal yeah. situation. But when it comes to just about everything, I'm a person who. And I'm active on social media and I rely on social media to get some of my sources of news and information. And I don't make social media my life, but I'm on social media every day. So, you know, it definitely has some influence over me and I'm not going to sit here and deny that fact. But when the responses started coming in and as you mentioned, my phone died, (laughs) (laughs) my phone, my phone literally died. But like I said, what was most important to me was being able to see that many responses from so many different types of people and not even just seeing the responses from so many different types of people, but it was seeing the responses from the people who just flat out loved the show. Yeah. But what was even more encouraging was hearing some of the responses from the people that didn't necessarily like the show, but because but because of a specific element, because of our enthusiasm or because we came on and we had fun, it became kind of contagious and they had no choice but to come listen to the show anyway. That's right. Even <laughs> if they didn't necessarily agree with all the takes that we had or I had or however the case may be, whatever the case may be, I don't do this to agree with everybody and I don't yeah. do this for everybody to agree with me but I do feel like I have a unique story um I have a unique upbringing and in this business I fight to have a voice for people my age because while we're up next to have a voice you know on a public scale and on a grand scheme of things I feel like we don't have a big enough voice yet but we are very important when to society sure so mm-hmm. you know I kind of took on that role and that persona. So to hear so many people or see, because it was a lot on social media, (laughs) to see so many people respond and react in ways that I never could even fathom. And to see that I taught so many people 
and so many people taught me because this was a learning experience for myself oh, as yeah. well. It was just overwhelming. Honestly, yeah. it made me sit and think like, and almost made me happy that I no longer had a job. <laughs> but but not in Come a way. I, no, 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 seriously. <laughs> know, no, know, seriously, because you don't get that reaction when you go on Twitter every day and you post, yeah, oh, we're yeah. going to talk about this, this or that today. You know what I mean? While yeah. you're putting it out there for people to know what it is that you're going to talk about, you don't get that type of a reaction every day because just as routine as it was for me to tweet what it was that we were going to be talking about that day or just how routine as it was for me to wake up at five morning get into the studios get prepped and talk on the microphone i didn't know that it was as routine for so many listeners to wake up and listen to us as if it was just a normal part of their day yeah so like i said i'm not obviously i would love to continue you know doing that show because we enjoyed it so much but it just showed me another side of what it was that we all did together as a unit that I would have never gotten to see had we still been doing the show right now. So, like I said, while I wasn't happy, it definitely uplifted my spirits hearing the support from so many people. And that's why I'm here right now, back behind the microphone, to kind of express my appreciation, but also to be real with so many people out there and be transparent about my story and what it is that I recently went through, yeah. especially due to the fact that I'm always willing to talk about somebody else's story and report somebody else's story that for me not to report mine would kind of be a selfish act. Yeah. Sure. So yeah, it was crazy, man. <laughs> it was definitely <laughs> overwhelming, but yeah, it was like I said, I, it, the good, the bad, it all comes together and yeah, we'll keep you pushing gotta, forward. You got to move on. You just got to keep doing what you do best. Absolutely, man. man and I'll do just that. So <laughs> let's, let's dig into some content today now, sports? because yeah, talk let's talk about sports. <laughs> yeah. We talk about a little bit of sports and uh, we're going to talk about a family that so many people are familiar with us talking about on this podcast. And that is the ball family. Because today it was announced that LiAngelo and LaMelo are going to be playing ball in Lithuania. Oh, you ever been to Lithuania? Pat? I've never been out of the country. <laughs> <laughs> I've, never been, I've never been out of the country. I've, I, man, I've been in America all my life. This yeah. is all I know is the United States of America. But I, I just think it's interesting and intriguing because I've been hearing some of the responses of people out there and, you know, the Ball family, they're the Kardashians of sports right now, man. Yeah, they're definitely yeah. the Kardashians of basketball. And yeah. everybody has something to say about them, myself included. And I've been talking about them since this podcast came into existence. And I'll continue to talk about them because I'm very intrigued by what it is that that family is doing. Um, do I necess Would I sit here and just flat out say that I would make the same decisions that, Lamar that LeVar Ball has made when it comes to you know, his family. No, <laughs> I wouldn't make all of those same decisions, but yeah. I don't think that decisions that the decisions that he's made have been bad decisions at all. Sure. And being able to send your kids to go play professional basketball in another country. I got so many friends that play ball overseas right now and they love it. They enjoy what they do. They get to continue playing basketball regardless of whether they graduated college, didn't graduate college, didn't graduate college, whatever the case may have been, to be able to go play overseas, play professional basketball overseas, I think is very dope. I think it's very dope. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you played college ball yourself. Yeah. Like, if like, an opportunity like to play in Lithuania came up, I mean, who would who would pass it down? And it's it's kind of interesting to see them like talk about it and let's like 
yeah, they're living their dreams of being professional basketball players. You yeah. can't really be mad at that. You can't be mad at that. <laughs> but but what's your thoughts on because I do still think that it's two different situations here because sure, yeah. you have Leangelo, who at the end of the day, he was in college and he's older, he's grown, he's 18. You know, technically, he can go do whatever he wants to go do with his life. He's sure. an adult. He's a legal adult, as we come to know here in America. But LaMelo's a little bit different. Yeah. You're sending a 16-year-old kid. Now he's going out there with his older brother. Yeah. They're playing on the same team. You're right. But yeah. you're, still st- you're still sending a 16-year-old kid to another country to go play basketball professionally. Like I said, I can't say I would have made the same decision. Yeah. And it's definitely, I think, some risk to that, being <laughs> that he's 16 years old and going to experience such a huge culture shock. But it could also be the best thing that ever happened to him. Yeah, it's interesting, and it's good that he has his older brother there. I'll say that. But then again, we see his older brother may not be the best decision maker. <laughs> so yeah. then I, I don't know. I mean, I guess you just got to put your sunglasses on and kind of avoid what's going on around you. But for him, what's interesting is the coach doesn't speak English, which is bizarre to me that these two Americans, who I'm going to assume do not speak any Lithuanian, (laughs) are going there with the basketball coach that doesn't speak English. Now, there's a couple different things that are going on here. I've heard this team is having some money issues. Mm -hmm. We're pretty close to maybe even shutting down. And now that the two Ball brothers are going there, obviously they're going to be selling out every night. And, you know, people are going to be watching. They're going to be getting all kinds of money coming in from different places. But, yeah, I mean, with a 16-year-old kid there – it, it, it's just difficult to see how he's going to get any sort of mentorship other than from his brother who's already a questionable decision maker. Decision maker. Right. Where is he going to get any mentorship for? Now, I don't know what LeVar is doing in this situation. I'm a, I don't think yeah, he's moving. I, I, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't right. looked in that far into <laughs> for it. Sure. So that's, it's kind of, it's kind, there's a lot a of questions. He's 19 or 20, might have just turned 20-year-old kid yeah. playing for the Los Angeles Lakers right now. Exactly. I think it's a case where, and and here's the thing, and if I'm being completely honest, when you look at LaMelo Ball, like I said, I'm not sitting here and saying I would have made the same decision for my 16-year-old kid. But what I will say, LaMelo Ball's already been thrust into a position to where he has to act outside of maybe his age anyway. He's got a signature shoe. He's got a signature shoe. (laughs) The kid's got a signature shoe. Everywhere he goes, everybody knows who he is. He's famous. The kid is flat-out famous. And we've seen a lot of bad come with, you know, kids being famous or becoming too famous too fast. We've seen a lot of bad out of that, but also – I can you can look at it as a situation like, hey, the kid's already famous. The kid's got to learn how to kind of get out there and deal with things on his own in the real world because real world because everybody is going to try to get one over on him, regardless yeah. if Lavar is there or if Lavar isn't present. Somebody's going to be trying to figure out a way to manipulate some kind of situation if Lamella Ball has any type of involvement in it. Yeah, and so. For him to be going overseas and playing ball in another country, like I said, definitely a risk. But I do like the approach that's being taken there because even if you look at the NBA draft now, do I think you have a more of a likelihood to get drafted from playing at UCLA or playing Division One basketball in America than you do playing overseas? Sure. But we all come, come to know and see that 
overseas players, guys from other countries who play professional ball in other countries are now finding more and more of a way to get drafted and or make somebody's roster in the NBA nowadays. So when you look at what their dream is, you're already talking about a kid in LaMelo. I'm not talking about LiAngelo right now, but in LaMelo, you're talking about a kid who probably wanted to be a one-and-done guy anyway in college. He probably was going to go to college. Everybody's saying, oh, the kid could stay back and get a free education, and everybody's kind of throwing the education factor out there as to why this is a bad decision for LeVar and these two boys to be going out there to play professional basketball when they have had opportunities to play ball at UCLA and get an education there. LaMelo's probably a kid who was only going to be one and done anyway just like Lonzo was. LiAngelo, a little bit different, but he's grown now. So I don't even care what he decides to do as an 18-year-old, whether he decides to stay at UCLA, transfer, or go play ball overseas. He's a grown adult man now. But LaMelo is a kid who... Is looked. At, he was highly ranked in his class when he was in high school. <laughs> he was highly ranked in his class, and some people expected him to be the best of the brothers. So he just took a different route, but it's not a route that can't lead him right back to playing in America in two years from now. But we have seen some issues with Americans going overseas and playing, like Brandon Jennings, I would say, was the number one. Like He ended up being fine when he was drafted and stuff like that, but his career obviously didn't end up as good as some people thought he would be. Yeah. And But is not very good, but LaMelo does have a, quite a skill set. He does. Uh, and he's the, probably the best shooter out of three. For especially sure. Especially after seeing Lonzo <laughs> shooting the NBA. <laughs> right. Um, and so, I mean... And I'll just go back to kind of the point I made. I'm just the part. The biggest thing that I'd be worried about is just his mentorship. Where, where is he going to get mentored from? Well, and, well, I know he has an agent, and yeah. I I just don't think and believe that Lavar is just sending them out there with absolutely nothing. <laughs> All right, working in their favor. See you later. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, that's not the case. Yeah, I really yeah. don't think that's yeah, the case. Yeah. This this family has money behind them. Oh yeah, they have a brand. Mm-hmm. The oldest son is, you know, what he's he's got a thirty three million dollar contract. Some give or take. Yeah, he's got a thirty plus million dollar contract. So it's not like they're going out there and they don't have means to doing things the way that they may want to do things. And I'll tell you, especially if this is the case that this Lithuanian team is losing money and they're trying to profit off of these two young men anyway. If you think about it from that perspective, I would only imagine that those people in Lithuania are going to take care of these two too because they're prized possessions now. These two are prized. If you plan on making money off of them, you're going to do everything in your power to make sure those two boys are A-OK. They don't get touched. They don't get get messed with. They're our moneymakers, so we're going to protect that with everything that we have. So I just don't seem to think that they're going out there to a situation that they don't know it. Oh, yeah, it's a culture shock. I mean, anything is a culture shock. And I'm not saying that some things aren't more of a culture shock than others because I'm sure if I moved to Lithuania, it would be a culture shock for me. Oh, yeah. But when you're dealing with what they're dealing with, going to college is a culture shock. I mean, it really is. Yeah, you know but I mean? this one, this one, it's, me, it's more intense. This is a non-English speaking yeah, area of Lithuania. For sure. A very small village. I'm seeing what, like 10,000 people or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's tiny. Like this is good. It's good. It's going to be a huge culture shock. It's going to be, there's going to be, a, I mean, anytime that someone goes outside of 
the United States is a culture shock, first sure. of all. But then when you go to a place that doesn't speak your language, then you're doubling the culture shock. Absolutely. You know? And so it's definitely going to be something. Am I, I I'm just not think really they worried the about means, that, though. I just think they have the means to everything they need yeah. to survive in that culture. Oh, yeah. No, they'll they'll be fine in that aspect. It'll just be like... I don't like this isn't a place where as a young person you would necessarily want to be. And I think we would agree on that, you know, yeah, because like, I I, I'd rather be at UCLA, been, first yeah. of all, <laughs> than be in Lithuania sure. where, where no one else speaks the language, you know. And so it, it'll be interesting to see how they adapt. But the thing about that is, is with this kind of, you know, situation where they're going to have to figure out who they are inside this new culture. That brings a lot of opportunities for them to grow yeah. a lot. And, and so that's that's the other side of this and, coin, and too. And not just for them to grow, for the big baller brand to go. The <laughs> oh, big no. baller brand is now go, is going international now. <laughs> oh, God. By hook or I'm by scared. crook. <laughs> by by <laughs> hook or by crook. That brand is now going international. Oh, it's brand. now an international brand. Obviously, it's going to take a whole lot to catch up to Nike, Adidas, Under Armour, so on and so forth. But... They're still making necessary steps to where it at least works for them. Sure. It works for them. Yeah. They're not a big, you know, I mean, I don't know, you know, what the company consists of now at this point, now that you got Trump and LeVar going back and forth, <laughs> you got Great LeVar stuff. making CNN appearances. <laughs> I don't know how much the brand has grown since we've even learned who LeVar Ball is, but we now know that they do have a brand and they're trying to figure out ways to make that brand as big and widespread as they possibly could. They're now taking the brand to Lithuania. And if these Lithuanian people are going to sell out and buy Mellow Ones or whatever those shoes are called, and Leangelo <laughs> gets an opportunity to go play ball out there and be a professional, and that was what his dream was. Everybody's dream isn't to get a college degree. Everybody's dream isn't to go to college. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of basketball players. One of the best players that I've ever played basketball with couldn't stand school. Yeah, yeah. Love to play basketball. Damn good at it. Mm -hmm. Couldn't stand school. It's not for everybody. I, and I'm an advocate for school. I have a degree. I'm an advocate for school. It was some parts of school that I didn't like. You know, where I kind of second-guessed. I don't anymore. But there were times <laughs> where I second-guessed, should I be here? Do I really want to be here? Or not even just second-guessed. There were other times where... I was like, what's my priority while I'm here? I'm just here so I can continue to play basketball. It wasn't until later on and kind of when I got closer to graduating and like, oh, I'm getting ready to really get a degree, when I start taking more serious the educational aspect of being in school. When I decided to up and go to college, it was to have another opportunity to continue playing basketball more, more so than it was to get a college degree. The college degree came with it. I'm glad I got a college degree. I worked hard for the college degree. But my mentality definitely wasn't school first, basketball second. I didn't have a student-athlete mentality. I had an athlete-student mentality. <laughs> <laughs> so I, it's not for everybody, man. And I know, you know, LeVar is kind of running and driving this thing, but – I don't think it's a bad thing. Not going to say that it's a good thing quite yet. And I defend we'll LeVar Ball more often than not. Not going to say it's a good thing quite yet. But it could be an even better thing than any of us can even imagine. That's all I'm saying. And you know for sure we're about to see some Lithuanian basketball highlights on ESPN every week. Oh, now, every so. week. <laughs> <laughs> They're just marketing this thing like crazy. Like, I've never seen a, a family 
do anything like this. A sports no. family do anything to this magnitude and this extent that the Ball family is doing. So I definitely think that's interesting. But we'll continue on talking about the Ball family going forward because we've been talking about them in the past. We just talked about them right now, and we'll continue in the future as they continue to make the news, I guess. But now I want to talk about something because we've missed the last couple of weeks here on the podcast just uh, dealing with it was holidays Thanksgiving life situations it was jobs it was everything everything (laughs) came fast and we actually haven't produced a podcast here in a few weeks and last week uh Mike Mitchell he's a defensive back for the Pittsburgh Steelers he came out and spoke on kind of the targeting rule and you know the rule changes when it comes to football and pretty much hard hitting uh, we know CTE has become a big di- big deal. Brain trauma, brain injury has become a big deal. But I want to quote what he actually said. And I'm going to quote some of it because it's a pretty long quote, but I'll cut it off when I feel like cutting it off. But <laughs> <laughs> here's some of what Mike Mitchell had to say. He said, uh, just hand us awesome flags. Hand us awesome flags and we'll go out there and try to grab the flags off because we're not playing football. This is not damn football. When I was six years old, watching Charles Woodson, Rob Woodson, Sean Taylor, the hitters, Jack Tatum, that's football. This ain't football. You have to know the risk when you sign up. No one wants to be paralyzed. No one wants to have head injuries. These are all things that are negative. But let's not try to turn football into a dangerous, barbaric game. This is how I changed my family legacy. Before I got drafted, I had $368 to my bank account. That is far from the case today. I've changed my family legacy by this beautiful game of football forever. So let's not try to turn this into some evil, dirty game. It's football. It's no different than US, UFC fighting. This is a combat contact sport. Whew. That was some heat. Yeah, a lot of heat. That wow. was some heat. What do you take away from that, man? Man, it's just like it's hard for me even to interpret that because I just honestly the things that football players go through I'll, I'll never know. I, I I don't understand it. I never will. I I sit on my couch all day and you know I get I get to take it easy where they're going out there every day. And I mean, you watch football the last couple of weeks and it's really like okay, you're really putting a lot at risk when you go out. Absolutely. There, you know, with ha- what happened with Ryan Shazier and everything like that, it's just it's it's frightening and it's it's. When a when a hit like that happened to Shazier, it was almost it was almost hard to watch the rest of the game, you know, yeah. like that kind of thing. Like that's the biggest problem in my life is watching them go through this kind of stuff. But you know what it is? It's just a it's raw passion, and it's just you can you can feel it in the quote when he says stuff like he's changing his family's life and he's changing generations of his family's life to come, and he understands that, and it's almost like he wants so much to have such an impact on the game and have an impact on his family. And it's just upsetting that he knows that all this pain can come about and it probably shouldn't. It probably shouldn't happen that way and there's ways to fix it. So it's just a lot of raw passion and I get where he's coming from from that aspect. And I mean, it's hard to critique anyone who says something like that because you don't know where they're coming from, first of all. And what they say may be jumbled up and maybe sounds almost nonsensical at times, but at the at the you know at the end it's it is just raw passion but but when you look at it from being a health hazard when you look at it from yeah. the perspective of being a health hazard mm-hmm. and you think about how it's affected so many people's lives what holds more importance 
to you. And okay. it's, you're not Mike Mitchell. You're not the guy playing I'm football. Alex Moore. You're Alex Moore. <laughs> and you're the one that's behind the microphone right now. So yeah, yeah, you've yeah. got to come out I got and the power. say you got the power right now. When yeah. it comes to how you feel about this, yeah. when you think of it from a health hazard perspective, mm-hmm. and you can also think of it from a raw passion perspective, mm-hmm. what's more important to you and what steps and are the steps that are being taken the right steps to take? It, from the NFL standpoint? Yeah. No, no, absolutely not. They're not taking the right steps. They haven't been. They've been, you know, I mean, they haven't been taking care of this for such a long time, and there's been so many issues. And it's just clear that when it comes to the health of the players, that isn't necessarily a priority. Yeah. From the NFL standpoint. And that's just, and that's what it seems like it has been for a while. And, you know, if they take steps to take care of it, I don't know what they are, what they are and what they will be, but well, it's just clear. You know, they're targeting the targeting rules that they have out now and fining players and yeah, suspending yeah. players. Yeah. He mentioned at a point in time where he was suspended before and mm-hmm. lost money, and mm-hmm. so they are trying to take some steps yeah, to kind of yeah. clean this thing up here. But that's what he's arguing against is the fact that the NFL is taking steps, but you're also taking money but they're away the from steps, They're the wrong steps. They're the wrong steps. Now, now – Here's how I think, and I'll be completely honest with you. Some may say it's wrong because uh, I am kind of being insensitive to the health aspects of the game. (laughs) Yeah. But when I was growing up, I grew up playing Pop Warner football. I played six years of Pop Warner football. Mm -hmm. So football was a vital part of my life. Didn't play in high school, but I grew up playing. I was around the game. My dad was a really good football player growing up. Brother was a good football player. Football was a part of our life. Yeah. And – when I was growing up, it was all about hard hitting, as he mentioned when he mentioned the guys like Jack Tatum and I don't think he said Ronnie Lott, but Ro- uh, <laughs> yeah, the yeah, Woodsons, yeah. Charles Woodson, yeah. and you know. So one thing that was a sign of who the best player was on your football team was when a player came home and he had stick marks on his helmet. Like my family and and my culture, the way we grew up playing football – we knew you were a good player or a great player when you came home and you had all kind of marks on your helmet. Okay, makes sense. Now, if you compare <laughs> that to what he's arguing, if I got a bunch of marks on, on my helmet, then, yeah, that means I'm using my head a lot. Yeah. And what it's, he even said is a combat sport. Mm-hmm. I agree with him 100%. And what I liked the most about what he said was when he did make the comparison to UFC. Because the dynamic of, you know, racial, uh, when it comes to race, the dynamic is a lot different in the NFL than it is when it comes to UFC. And I cringe when I watch UFC. I'll be honest with you. I'm not a guy who's a fan of UFC. I don't watch it. I don't. Only time I watch UFC, I I have watched uh, a Diaz-McGregor match. Uh Didn't like it. Yeah. The only other time I watched UFC was when McGregor decided to be a boxer and fight <laughs> against Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, and yeah. That wasn't UFC, but yeah. I did see some of his kind of yeah. UFC tendencies in a boxing match, which were really weird, but that's another conversation for another day. But for me, it's the risk you take. When I go out there and take the floor and when I go out there and play ball or do whatever, you're always risking injury, whether it be a head injury, a leg injury, an ankle injury, a knee injury, a stomach injury. You're even risking cardiac effects. It mm-hmm. could be a heart attack. You can be risking you know, heart issues. There's all kind of things that can happen sure. when you're playing sports. And while, yeah, I, I don't want anybody to have CTE, but you know what? Don't play. 
If people don't play the game, then you know what? The game will fall apart itself. Yeah. It's a market type of a thing. If people buy into playing ball, if people want to risk their life playing football, that's their decision to do that. Mm-hmm. I understand that it's deadly and, you know, it's affected families and it's not a good thing that comes from it. But it's not a good thing that comes from a lot. It's not a good thing that corner stores sell alcohol. <laughs> it's yeah. not a good thing that, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's a lot of danger that, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I buy it too. And that's my point. But that's yeah, the point yeah. that I'm getting at. There's, there's risk with certain things, especially a lot of legal things out in society. But, yeah, you can have somebody go to a corner store, buy alcohol, and then they can go drink and drive and get a DUI and even potentially kill themselves or somebody else. It's risk that comes with so much in this society and in this day and age to where I agree with him him 100%. Let me get my words together. I agree with him 100%. If we decide to go out here and play this game, we got to be able to accept what comes with it. If not, don't play. If If you watch football and you can't take the fact that guys get head injuries, don't watch it. I don't watch UFC because I don't like all that gory, twisty, body, crazy, bloody. I don't like it. it. And so, therefore, I don't watch UFC. But there's a huge market of people out there that do enjoy and watch UFC. More power to them. I'll stay over here in my corner and watch basketball or football or baseball or whatever else. But I'm not watching that because I don't like to see it. I just don't. So I get what he's saying 100%. I think that there's a risk in so many things in today's society that you can't pinpoint football and football players and how the game has come about to take away from the value of what these guys do as a profession. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, I see it as more maybe not about them, you know, if you don't like it, don't do it. Whereas it's more of a, we don't really know kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, there's been studies done on CT and for the most part, they seem really, really bad. But at the same time, like, we really don't know the kind of damage that these pe- these guys are putting you know, going out there and doing to themselves yeah. day in and day out. Right. And I think that's kind of the scary part to me. It's like, okay, we don't really know what's happening to them. And so it's a more of a, it's not necessarily accepting, oh, there's going to be head injuries. It's kind of accepting you don't really know what kind of health hazards you're putting on yourself. And, but I think that's in all aspects of life. I think you you can say that when it comes to people's diet. You can say that when it comes to substance use, abuse, or just use. Everybody doesn't abuse stuff substances, but that don't, doesn't mean that they don't use them. Yeah, you can look. You can get. I mean, you can go. Talk, you can look into pharmaceutical, the pharmaceutical industry, and say the same for that. I just feel like there's so many aspects of life of life where you don't quite know, and I can't sit here and say that I understand what it's like to be a person with CTE. I can't sit here and say that I understand what it's like to have risk of, you know, getting a concussion every day of my life. I can't quite say that. Why can't I say that? Oh, because I chose after five or six years of playing football, I'm not going to play football anymore. I made the decision not to do it anymore because, and I wouldn't say I necessarily uh, made the decision because of those risks. Because like I said, when I was growing up, I wasn't thinking about that. When I grew up playing football, we were thinking about how many stick marks we had on our head. But I had a passion for something else, which was basketball, but I had a passion to go play basketball and not play football. I made the choice and the decision not to do that. 
Everybody else can make a choice and a decision not to do that. Or they can make the choice and the decision to go out and do it every day. And in the case of Mike Mitchell, maybe this is what changes his family's legacy. It's always looked at as a good thing when it's from that perspective, but it's looked at as a negative thing when you look at the health hazards and risk and things of that sort. So I just feel like it's more of a decision that needs to be made. Um, now that the research is out there, and as you mentioned, we don't know, we're starting to find out yeah. what those hazards and risks are. I think that that's a really good thing for the sport. I think that's a really good thing for parents to know as their kids grow up and start to figure out, maybe I want to play basketball, maybe I want to play football, maybe I have an interest in doing these kind of things because sports is such a big and universal deal in society that I think being educated is definitely helping. So even when you hear him say something like this, it's bringing awareness and education to it, whether you agree with what he's saying or not. He's bringing awareness and education to it. So I think that we're not lacking that as much as we once did, but it still comes down to making a decision whether you want to play the sport or not. Yeah, and and, and that ultimately that is what it comes down to. You don't like it, you don't have to play. If you don't like it, you don't even have to watch it. You don't even have to watch yeah, it. Yeah, You're not you know, forced to watch football. Exactly. And <laughs> There's like, so many other things out there to watch on TV, YouTube, Netflix, <laughs> Hulu, whatever the case may be. There's so many other things out there to where yeah. I feel like he's absolutely right. And I've heard a lot of people say, well, you got to be able to adapt to change. You don't have to be able to adapt. Believe me when I say there's a lot of people out there not adapting to change. But they're going by the wayside. <laughs> but they're going. That's very true. <laughs> like that's, the NFL's rating. That's very. Yeah. That No, no. They're going by the wayside. But the reality is it's still happening. Believe sure. me. I know. <laughs> Believe me. I know. People are deciding. Some people are stuck in their ways. Some people to de- decide to do things the way that they want to do things. And. It's gonna. They're going to continue. People are always going to go by the wayside. People are always going to be stuck in their ways. When we grow up, things will be changing, and we'll have to figure out ways to adapt. But it might not necessarily be the easiest thing because all of our lives we were taught a specific way or we grew up a specific way. So I just think that it's a case where, yeah, you can adapt to change, and I'm not saying not to adapt to change. That's why I said I think it's good that we're now bringing so much awareness to this. But let the guys go out there and play. I like football. I like stick marks. I, I like hard hitting. And I, like I said, I understand there's health hazards, but that's just how I like it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's just how I like it. So, Alex, man, I appreciate you for joining me on today's episode. And of course, Like dude. I said, we're, we're going to transition, man. You, you produced the Justin and Devon show. Now you can produce the Wake Up and Win podcast. I'm a producer at heart, so yeah, welcome to the challenge. Yeah, I know you are. For sure, for sure. So, <laughs> We'll definitely keep Thanks that. for having me, Pat. Oh, yeah, Appreciate yeah, it. most definitely, man. Thanks for thanks for coming on. And before we go, just want to give one more shout-out to Dovetail Coffee for sponsoring the podcast. They do awesome work in the community. They make delicious coffee at the same time. So check them out at dovetailcoffee.com. And don't forget, free shipping for my listeners. Just use the code WAKEUP. No caps, no spaces, no spaces. Just wake up at dovetailcoffee.com. And I'll leave you all the only way that I know how with this podcast. And I'm glad to be back here behind the microphone. And that is to stay woke and go in.